Welcome to the Century Church Podcast with Dr. Patrick M. Quinn. You can find out more information about Century Church at www.century.church or download our app at the Apple or Google Play Store. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the new series, The COVID Rule. I'm so excited for this series for each one of us to dive a bit deeper into our current situation and the things that are going on in our lives right now. You know, the COVID rule is going to help us rediscover what matters the most in our lives. And so I invite you for the next four weeks to tune in, to really draw near to this series and to draw near to what God's word has for each one of us. I'm telling you right now, I believe that this series could absolutely transform lives, change behaviors, and set us on a course in which coming out of COVID-19, coming out of a pandemic, will set us up for our best life, for an opportunity to absolutely thrive in the next several years. So today, we're jumping into this series with the first talk called Masking the Truth. You know, right now, we are living in a time where we are all wearing our masks. We have to wear masks everywhere we go, it seems like, whether you're going to the grocery store, going to hang out with some friends, go to a restaurant, we're having to wear masks. But there's something that has been going on, I I feel like, that we can dive into these days that's been masking the truth, masking some obvious things for us that maybe COVID-19 and living through a pandemic has allowed us to actually maybe rediscover, reevaluate, maybe even redeem the opportunity for us to live differently. And so my hope as a pastor, my hope as a fellow sojourner of this moment is that for you and I, we actually get to maybe see what the mask is doing for us and the opportunity to put it on, and then obviously the moment when we need to take it off. So today, let's dive into the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at for the next four weeks. The next four weeks, we're going to be looking into the letter that Paul wrote at the church at Galatia. They're known as the Galatians. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Galatians. The Galatians were a group of people that while, while Paul was so excited about the church that had been born there, they had some issues that had come up. And one of those issues was they were falling away from living into a faithfulness in Jesus Christ. They were falling back into some pagan rituals. They were also falling into Jewish customs as some of the teachers that had arrived there started to teach them that they needed to pick up these rituals, things like circumcision and celebrating certain Jewish holidays that had nothing really to do with the grace, hope, truth, love, and salvation found in Jesus. And so Paul writes this letter to remind them that the faithfulness in Jesus Christ is supreme. And so as we look into this letter today, I want to invite you to turn into Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 4, there's a passage of Scripture. There's, there's about 8 to 10 verses in Galatians chapter 4 that's known as Paul's concern for the Galatians. It's this passage of Scripture that I, I was rereading over the last couple of weeks, getting ready for this series. And it struck a chord in my heart. And I want to speak to you directly about this now as we dive into this series. What you are going to hear over the next four weeks is a pastor talking to his people. You're going to hear a shepherd leading his people through a difficult time and navigating them back into the church that God has for them to be. What my hope and my aim is, is that you might hear that same tone from me. You might hear that same hope from from me, and you might hear that same leading from me. 
That's been my prayer as I've tried to dive a little deeper into Paul's words. And as we discover and rediscover what matters the most as a church family and what matters the most to each one of us in our own families, in our own lives, and moving forward out of a pandemic. You know, it's not very often that you get to pause like this, right? I mean, maybe once in a lifetime. A hundred years it's been since we've seen anything like this, since the Spanish flu in 1918. And so we've all been locked away, quarantined. We've all had to kind of deal with some really interesting times. There's been a lot of reaction and even maybe some overreaction to these times. There's been a lot of frustration and anger, a lot of fear and loneliness, a lot of depression that is setting in. In fact, when you start thinking about what has happened with, uh, with our lives right now, COVID-19 is producing some really interesting response. You know, back in March of the supposed five stages of grief, back in March when this all started happening, it's like humanity's response to COVID-19 pandemic seemed stuck in what we would call the first uh, three stages of grief, one being denial. You know, that at first we were like, it's not going to happen to us. It's for people over in China. And quickly we learned that this infectious disease can spread all around the world. The second stage of grief is anger. That then we began to be angry and we began to like blame other people for this. We, first, it starts with other governments, other countries, and then it starts getting into whether or not someone's wearing their mask or doing the appropriate thing if they have a high temperature. Um, who they're around, but we have anger that set in, and, and almost in, in early March or mid-March, that was, that was part of this, these, these stages of grief. So you got denial, you got anger, and then you have bargaining. Bargaining is also a stage of grief. You know, if we make these modest changes to our life, if we quarantine away, if we do this and that, then maybe it will leave us alone. But as time wore on, another stage of grief set in. And that is one of depression for humanity. When the stark reality of people are going to die, when the president of the United States comes on and tells us that hundreds of thousands of people are going to die from COVID-19, when, when the world is looking at all of these deaths that are happening, there was a moment, if you remember, no matter what you think today, there was a moment, I, I believe for all of us, that was a gut check. And some depression kind of sets in, right? Depression that, that um, the realization that billions of lives are going to be seriously impacted. Economies are going to be interrupted. People are going to lose their jobs. There is going to be a shutdown everywhere. And some people are going to die. You know, that is the seriousness of what we lived in. But then we also, because we're human, we find some humor in it as well, right? We find some ways in which we laugh at our current circumstances and, our, and the present moment. And so um, I, I also want to bring you back up a little bit as we dive into this serious topic. And, and there's some funny things that people have said in COVID-19, right? So look, I want to share with you a few of the best memes that I've been able to find, all right? So I want you to check these out with me. I want you to look to the screen, all right? And, and on the screen, you'll see, here, here's one. Hey, I don't know how many of you ladies have experienced this, but weeks later, chicks coming out from quarantine looking like this because their salon was closed. Ah, that's one of my favorite ones. But then it goes on. Check out this one. The world right now, the Titanic sinking, all the way to teachers teaching online, the guys with the violin. 
How, how many times did it feel like we were just kind of still trying to live as if this wasn't impacting us? All right, the next one. If 2020 was a slide, looks like a cheese grater. All right, next one. I love this. From Groundhog Day. Well, it's quarantine day. Again, how many of us did it feel like that as we've kind of been living through this moment? Next. Back in my day, there was so much toilet paper, people used to literally string it up in the trees of their enemies. I'm also wondering uh, for some of you... Uh, people in, in Auburn, how, how you'll think about it a little differently, you know, when you're uh, throwing up the toilet paper in Tumor's Corner after a victory. All right, and then first day of Zoom meetings, how many of us looked amazing and were so excited? 14th day of Zoom meetings, we're over it. How many of you right now are over the Zoom meetings, you know? Comment below on some of these things in the chat, right? How many of you are done with all of that? All right, and then this is probably my favorite one. People keep asking me, is COVID-19 really that serious? Listen, y'all, the casinos and churches are closed. When heaven and hell agree on the same thing, it's probably pretty serious. Hashtag safer at home. Look, today we are living in the strangest of times. I came across this quote that I want to share with you. This quote I think, kind of, kind of get to the heart of leaping off into this series. And the quote is this, you never know what is enough unless you know what is more than enough. You never know what is enough unless you know what is more than enough. So let me ask you some serious questions right now. Had we become too busy prior to COVID-19? I want you to think about this for a second. Had we become too busy? Have, had life become too fast? Had we lost track of time? You know, today we're living in no more sports, no more concerts, no more events, no more travel, and even no more church gatherings, no more rat race. And while many of us lament these things, and while many of us can become frustrated by the lack of activity and busyness, maybe the COVID rule is to rediscover what matters the most. Maybe this is a, an amazing time in our life that few generations will ever, ever get to actually rediscover what matters the most. So if we listen to Paul today, the question that I would ask you is, do we want to go back or move forward? Do we want to go back to life prior to COVID-19? Maybe some of you are saying, yes, I absolutely am ready to get back to life as it was prior to COVID-19. But I would ask you to think again. Do we want to go back or do we want to move forward? In Galatians chapter 4, in the passage of Scripture we're going to read from today, is just four brief verses, but they are packed full of wisdom. And once again, this is Paul's concern. This is Paul's pastoral voice coming to the church at Galatia. This is Paul doing what Paul does best and calling his church to be the church. And I want us to do that over the next four weeks I want us to really think seriously about these times. I don't want us just to wish them away. I don't want us to just wish for things to go back the way they, they were. I want us to see what God is up to and how he may want us to move forward. 
And so Paul writes to the church in Galatians 4, verses 8 through 11. He says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. What does going back look like? Well, Paul is writing here, and what Paul is trying for us to understand and, and get to the bottom of is, is the church at Galatia, Paul had left, and he's, he's looking back at this church that he founded, and he's seeing some very alarming trends. One of those trends is he's seeing people you know, that are picking up pagan things again, things that are secular, things that have nothing to do with, with Christianity or the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that they have once been baptized in the faith and once have said they wanted to follow and once said that they would you know, sacrifice and give and grow in the faith, and now they were falling back from that. And then he also sees that these people, that there are people in the church that are listening to new teachers that have shown up on the scene, these false teachers who are teaching them Jewish customs, Jewish rituals, Jewish ideals, Jewish practices that have nothing to do, once again, with having a faith in Jesus Christ. And so, what does going back look like for Paul? Well, the first thing is it looks like being slaves to lesser gods. Being slaves to lesser gods. Paul takes a very sober tone here. He's looking at these pagan customs and lifestyles. He's looking at all of these activities that that have nothing to do with their faith. In fact, are distracting them, keeping them busy, and driving them further away from Jesus. Listen to me today. If all we want to do is go back, What would we be going back to exactly? Just more busyness? More running a rat race? More keeping our kids as busy as we possibly can in every activity? More skipping out on all these things that might matter the most, like spending good quality time with your family, teaching them the lessons of the faith, guiding them to become the adults that we so desperately want them to become? having rich conversations like many of us have probably been able to have in quarantine or just simply get busy again with travel ball and every sport and every activity and every event and everything that we can fill up all of our time with. I'm asking you to think about it for a moment, to think about it a little more deeply. Had we made any of those things lesser gods than the God that we've come to worship today? Have any of those activities, as you look back into your family, had they become God? Had they started to take the place of your faith? Have they started to replace the priority of teaching your kids about the things that matter the most? This is what this series can do for us. Paul is is so fearful that right now they are literally going back into these customs that have nothing to do with honestly getting people into a much healthier place in their life. They're very destructive, Paul would say. Look good on the outside, destructive on the inside. 
I'm just wondering if any of the going back for you, for your family, for your children, would just be going back into lifestyles that maybe God is calling us out of and to move forward. You know, lesser gods, these, these moments that just create more experiences. I don't know about you, but my wife and I were having a lot of these conversations right prior to COVID breaking out, right prior to us all having a shutdown about how much is too much, how many experiences, how many travel opportunities, how many vacations, how many running here, there, and everywhere, how much exposing our kids to this activity and this activity and this activity and all the peer pressure from parents to do this, do this, do this. How much, 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 much is too much? And then COVID hits and everything stops. The world pauses. And you have to think to yourself, maybe God is up to something. Maybe we've been rescued. So ask yourself today, have I, is there anything, is there anything prior to COVID that I had become a slave to a lesser God? You may feel like you had everything in check and that's fine. I'm just asking you on behalf of God for you to check yourself for a second. Is there anything in your life that was slowly maybe over time, had become a lesser God than the God that you've come to worship and bring honor and glory to today. This is what Paul was concerned about for the church at Galatia. But he also was concerned about people that were turning back to what he calls miserable principles. The turning back to to miserable principles. And it's very interesting because while in one sense he's talking about all these pagan customs and rituals, secular activities, secular experiences, then he also starts beating up on, hey, there's a present infatuation that you have with the law, with religious rituals and customs. And I don't want you to fall prey to that. I don't want you to think that that's going to be the higher way of life, that that's the way to go is to, is to keep adopting all of these traditions like circumcision and all these other things. But what does that look like for us today? I'll tell you what I feel like it looks like. It looks like how soon can we just get back to going to Sunday morning church? How soon can we just dress up in our Sunday best and and get back to the way it used to always be? How soon can we just kind of get back into the normal ritual of Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? We just go to church. Our our children go to the children's ministry and, and it just becomes a rote exercise. And it's just Sunday after Sunday, we just do the same thing, right? And then afterwards we go eat lunch, eat some fried chicken, call it good. And Paul is, is, is urging his people, don't have an infatuation with these traditions, with these patterns of living that honestly were stale and lacking. Now listen to me. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes the Sunday morning routine was getting quite stale. Sometimes it was really lacking. And you know how you know how you can know that it's lacking? When you feel like you just ought to go because you just ought to go. When you feel like you're doing it out of obligation. When you find yourself skipping more church, it had become stale and lacking. And there are those that just want to get right back into that routine. But what if we've been rescued? Just go with me for a second. All the church people that are used to Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. What if we've been rescued? 
What if the church has now been set free from Sunday morning? What if the church has been set free to think about it much differently? That when we come back, we behave differently, we act differently, we plan differently. What if the church has been set free every day of the week now? What if this is an opportunity for us to extend the gospel far past what the secular world would just see as, oh, it's Sunday morning, that's the day the Christians go to church. What if we've been rescued to dream bigger now and to have better visions? What if there's real opportunity here? And then Paul, he gets to another piece in the next verse that, that I'm calling missing the pandemic opportunity. In, in verse 10, he writes, you're observing special days and months and seasons and years. For Paul, this is um, quite explosive language. Most of us probably don't pick up on it, but he is really saying something quite harsh in verse 10. You are observing special days, months, and seasons, and years, exclamation point. Paul is, is driving home something that we all need to hear today. Paul is, is driving home that these pagan holidays and these Jewish holidays are the same this is a profound statement that we got to dive into just a little bit. He's saying that, you know, your religious activity, going to church Sunday after Sunday, maybe just doing the rote Bible study thing, getting into the women's group or the men's group and, and, and doing the normal everyday church thing, having your children go to the children's, like doing the church thing is that pattern and that lifestyle is just as damaging as the pagan ritual and routines of, oh, we're just too busy doing travel ball or sports or we're on vacation, we're up at the lake, down at the beach, all this stuff. That both of them for Paul, he's saying, you're observing special days, months, seasons, and years. Both of you are doing the same thing. It has nothing to do with faithfulness in Christ. It's a harsh, hard convicting word that he's delivering to his church at Galatia. So let me ask you this today. Whether you're in the camp of the secular rituals that are driving you away from faithfulness in Christ, or whether you just want to get back to going to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and doing the same old thing you've done your whole life in the church, Maybe God wants to rescue you. Maybe God wants to do something more for you. Maybe this moment out of the ashes of a pandemic, God could bring something beautiful, something amazing, something wonderful for each one of us and for the church. Maybe we've been rescued. And then in verse 11, he jumps into uh, this fear that he has. And I thought about this verse for quite a while before writing some thoughts down about it. Because he starts with, I fear for you. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts. Paul seems quite puzzled that people would just return to the way that things had always been. Paul seemed quite puzzled by the Galatians 
that they would just want to relapse into enslavement again, even though Christ has come to set them free. So let me ask you today, what if we are being rescued? What if we are being rescued right now? What if this moment, unlike any other moment in most of our lifetimes, is a moment for us to pause and gain greater clarity about life? To gain greater intimacy with God? To gain greater relationships with one another? To rediscover what matters the most about life? You only get one of these. There's no dress rehearsal. There's no do-overs. You only get one, and somehow God hit the pause button. He didn't cause it, but the pause button has been hit. And we get the opportunity to come out of this desiring whether we just want to go back to life as usual or move forward into a more preferred future that God has for us. This is the COVID rule, rediscovering what matters the most. You know, these times, I believe, demand careful and thoughtful reflection. And that's what I'm asking every person in our church to do throughout this series. That you would sit down and do some careful, thoughtful reflection. Because this is going to end. We will come out of this. And listen to me clearly. When we come out of this, history will judge whether this moment was a moment in which this generation right now moved forward or just stepped back, desired a better outcome out of this, learned some valuable lessons about humanity, about life, about living, about faith, about God, about the preciousness of time, or whether or not we just trifled away these days and ended up back in the same rat race of living. What will it be for you? What will it be for your family? And so I'm asking you this today. What matters most to you? What matters most to you? Paul writes, I fear for you. Somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. As a pastor... I've preached sermons for 17 years. Sometimes I wonder if Sunday after Sunday, it's just been the thing that we do. And all the sermons, all the preparation, all the training, and all the talking has been for naught. Churches decline. People find better things to do with their time. And frankly, you wonder, where is the church headed? And I can hear Paul's deep concern for his people. I fear for you. And so might I say it this way to you today? I fear for you, for your families, for our church. I fear that we may learn nothing out of this other than let's just get back to the way things used to be. So I am urging you and begging you to spend this series, maybe like no other series that you've ever spent time on before, 
rediscovering what matters most. This is an epic, unprecedented time in our lives. A pause button has been hit, and you and I get an opportunity to decide how we will live post-pandemic. So what matters to you most? So I'm going to challenge all of us to do something this week. Here's your challenge, and I hope you will accept it. It could be a, an awesome experiment for us and a wonderful tool for us to use as we come out of this pandemic. I want to encourage you this week to write a letter to yourself. I want you to sit down at some point this week and write down your reactions and reflections during this pandemic. I want you to think about and write down what matters most to you now. What have you learned? What's some lessons? And write it to your future self. And watch this. We're going to write it and open it one year from now. So I want you to write a letter and I want you to date it for the first Sunday in June 2021. And on that first Sunday in June 2021, I hope that our church will be gathered here in this room and that we will come together and we might share and find out for ourselves as a check, as accountability, and as a blessing from God, whether or not we've moved back into old patterns of living or whether or not we can rejoice in what God has taught us in this moment and we can truly see how we've moved forward. So get busy writing your letter this week. You, don't, you may never want to share it with anyone, and that's fine. You may have some opportunities to share it with family members and friends. But most of all, I hope that one year from now, when you open up the letter, it does one of two things for you. It either shows you, wow, God has really moved me forward, or it's a check and an accountability that you've moved backward, and you can make some course corrections right then and there. So today we come, starting this series, The COVID Rule, rediscovering what matters most. And for me, I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in our lives. Because what Paul is writing to the church at Galatia is reminding them that it is about faithfulness in Christ Jesus alone. And so with that, it's this first Sunday of the month. And although we are not here in this room together, we're going to take Holy Communion. And so I want to encourage you right now that if you just go get some elements of whatever you got around, if it's grape juice, great. If it's apple juice, water, whatever it is. If it's a piece of bread, some crackers, whatever it may be that you and I would prepare our hearts for Holy Communion. And so as we prepare our hearts, I want to show you that today... You know, we normally have big bread here, but in a spirit of solidarity with all of you at home, I mean, we just have some crackers. So we, we just have some, some basic crackers here and some juice. So go get whatever it is that you need or that you have around so that we can share in this common meal together. So Christ Jesus, our Lord, invites to his table all who love him and seek to grow into his likeness who repent of their sin and who find themselves in need of God's grace. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks 
And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take and drink. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you may in remembrance of me. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we come before you today humbly asking that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and juice. That your Holy Spirit would bind us together across all space and time into every living room, God. Into every heart that is preparing right now for Holy Communion. You can stretch out your wide arms far beyond this space. And so God, we pray right now that by your Holy Spirit, you ready our hearts. You welcome us once again to your table. For we know that we're not worthy to gather the crumbs under your table, but your property is to always have mercy and grace and love and hope for us. So not only do you invite us to the table, not just for the scraps, but you pull out an honored seat for each one of us as your chosen guests. And so Lord, prepare our hearts today, our families, our children, for Holy Communion, that we might find, like Paul was so concerned about, a faithfulness in Christ, and that we might rediscover what matters the most to us during these strange and peculiar times, O oh God. Help us to gather much more fervently with a real passion in our hearts to draw near to you. God, hear our prayer today as we prepare to feast at this, your table. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Hey, as you prepare to take Holy Communion, I want to let you know that this is not Century's table or my table. This is the Lord's table and the Lord's table is prepared for all. Now, we usually take a communion offering every month here with baskets, but we won't be able to do that. And so I would ask you to go to our app and to give online. There'll be links for you to make a communion offering. Our Monthly communion offering usually goes to a lot of different things. This month, we want it to go to the Step Foundation. We want it to go to an inner city ministry in, in Montgomery that does so much vital work with kids and families, a lot of tutoring programs, and they extend the gospel of Jesus Christ into, into every corner of our city in Montgomery. And so I want to encourage you right now, there are children and families who have been supported by this ministry for many, many years. And I know personally right now that they are in need of some donations as they continue their work. So I would hope that our church would give and give generously and make your communion offering um, go to the least of these and to an organization that is doing some phenomenal work right around us. So as you prepare your hearts for Holy Communion, just simply take the cracker, bread, whatever you have in your hand. And if you would just simply say to one another, bread from heaven, take and eat. Or the body of Christ, take and eat. And take and eat. And do this with your children. And then take the cup, whatever juice you may have, water, whatever it is. Just say, the cup of salvation. Take and drink. Or the blood of Christ, take and drink. Whatever your chosen words are, they won't be wrong, I promise. Just take and drink 
and taste and see that the Lord is good. If you have little children, I always tell the little children when they're right here with me, just know that Jesus loves you. So sometimes that's the only message that they need during Holy Communion. Maybe you need that message today too. Jesus loves you.